The New Level Cap Podcast is a show about fun, friends, game design, and all things otherwise. Your hosts are Marco DeSantos and Brad Talton of Level 99 Games. I'm Chris Solis, your producer, and without further ado, please enjoy the show. And welcome back to yet another episode of the New Level Cap Podcast. This is me, your host, Marco DeSantos, also known as Mechanic Critic, and as much as I'd love to do a cold, cold intro... Uh, people say that it's a bit odd sometimes, so I'm gonna mix it up and start normally. How about that, Brad? Is that spooky enough for you for Spooky Month? Does that does that make it a hot intro? Does does that actually make it a hot intro? I don't know. I don't know. I'd call it a spicy intro. You know? It, yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't associate it with anything resembling the hotness, Marco. Uh, the hotness. Well, it's it's. You know, Zing! Bam! Take that! <laughs> oh gosh, uh, new, uh, old and something, new hotness. What's that line from? Old, men? old busted. Old, old busted, busted, new, new hotness. hotness. That's Men in Black. Yeah, Men in Black. All right, there you go. So welcome to the yeah. new level cap hotness podcast. That's uh, that's that's what we're yeah. calling it now. Um, so this this episode has got more of an academic twist to it because we're going to be talking about a real structured subject in game design and development, mm-hmm. which and is why I, that's going to be project planning. Oh, I, I plan for this episode to be quite educational, Brad. Uh, very, ah, I see. Very learned, very, uh, very important. So, uh, Brad, let me start it off with uh, what, what is project planning in essence? Yeah, so project planning is how we build the roadmap that's going to take us from a high concept to a completed game on your shelf, and hopefully to certain sales targets or conversion rates or other businessy terms, which I'll talk about later. But ultimately, it's not just the product itself, but it's what the product is going to do and how we're going to measure whether it accomplished those goals or not. Yeah, so you're going to start hearing a bunch of businessy terms like goals and metrics and contingencies and etc. So, uh, but I'll try and keep it relevant. So if you want to ask any questions about our games, Marco, I can tell you all about how the planning uh, did or did not go into existing level 99 products oh my god because uh, often our greatest failures are failures of planning and our greatest successes are successes of planning hmm it sounds like planning is very important uh when it comes to you know creating it a sure successful is. game man who, who would have thought okay uh let's let's start things off simple right so how how do we implement this in level 99 games or rather how do we wish we implemented it in level 99 games uh, of games past how 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 does the structure work right like how, who yeah. makes the plan who's in charge of this plan who, who what's this plan right so your project plan is going to be headed by a sponsor this is the person who thinks that we need to do the project for whatever reason so this person we would call a sponsor, generally in a company our size, which is, is quite small, it's going to be the project lead who is also the project sponsor. And mm-hmm. the lead is the person who's really charged with delivering on the project's goals. So in a big organization, somebody like the head of human resources might decide, hey, we need a board game about how to uh, be a better employee, and that's going to improve our employee's efficiency. Mm-hmm. and they might say, "Hey, you, Marco, yes. um, in the mailroom. Yes. I want you to make this game." So that would and make you'd me be tasked, the project lead. Yeah, you'd be the project lead, and the other person, the the head of HR, would be your sponsor. Mm. So they would be the person who ultimately, um, you know, 
has has the the skin in the game for the idea and the funding, uh, and you'd be the person in charge of making it happen for them. So, but in our company, those two people are going to be the same thing because you know we just don't have enough people to uh, to be calling across the room. Hey, you do this project. Yeah. Uh, in a lot of cases, I guess in a lot of cases, I'm the sponsor as the company president. So I will come up with a project and say, "Hey, you execute this." Sure. But um, hmm. but I liked for everybody in the company to be able to sponsor a project, creates a more egalitarian atmosphere, and honestly, it's how the good ideas can move from the bottom up to the top, which is often very difficult in larger companies. Yeah, I, I oftentimes get the feeling that I get to create. I have the freedom to be able to at least propose something to you, right? And that's uh, that's mm-hmm. very that's very important, and that's like a, a benefit of having these uh, small work environments. So, uh, as a project lead, now it's my job to be able to deliver on this project, but I yeah. need this very crucial tool called project planning. So, when I create a project plan, there are a few things that I need to go over, right? Uh, usually, it's in terms of the purpose, the goals, the deliverables, the team, the timeline, and the budget. Uh, or as I yeah. would like to say, the the why, what, who, when, how, you know? <laughs> or or the pugadutapu. Ah, yes. Of, of course. Yeah. A, a but, wonderful... But let's, uh, let's break these down. Let's break these down bit by bit. Right? <laughs> yeah, okay. Let's, let's start it off with yeah. the purpose. I think there's a really important thing here is that when you create a project, you have to understand why the heck we're even doing it to begin with, right? Because that's right. going to like guide almost everything else in the project. So, for example... Let's- and it's important to, to think about it up front because there are always alternatives to the project that you're going to do and the resources you're going to use. For example, if we're making a game like Pixel Tactics, why not produce or why not just take all the resources that we're going to put into making Pixel Tactics and put them into marketing Battlecon better? Right. right. Why not? Uh, why not just sell more of the products we already have, or why not put these uh, resources into an expansion? So we have to have a clearly defined reason that th- that we believe this is a better path for our for our resources. So in our previous example, we were talking about this HR board game thing. So of course the uh, the purpose is not to create the board game, right? The purpose is yeah. to create this board game such that people become better employees. The end goal is that you have a vehicle by which you can teach people to become better employees. It's not necessarily the board game itself. So it's very important to understand that oftentimes the purpose is not the end result, right? Oftentimes the project and the end result of the project is a means to the end and the end is the purpose. Yeah, your goal is not to create the product that you're building, right? The product is not the goal. The product is the means to an end. And oftentimes the product is um, is a very large part of the goal, especially if we're building something like a franchise, like you know, World of Indians. We want to make more games in the World of Indians, so we produce Argent. So part of that goal is to have another game in the World of Indians, but the goal is not specifically to have Argent finished. Yeah. And so this is especially um, a big trap when you are a designer um, or a developer in a creative space. Because often you get a cool idea, and having that cool idea materialized in your hands can seem like a worthy goal in and of itself, right? And uh, I definitely have fallen prey to this. In fact, most of our early games at level 99 were more about having the game finished than they were about achieving any kind of particular sales or product line goals. 
Yeah. So yeah, I I completely understand, right? Like there there was a point in time wherein just creating the game itself seems like a worthy goal, but at the end of the day, like you know, there's more to a project than just creating the game because there's still like marketing the game, making sure it moves units, making sure it sells copies and stuff yeah. like that. And I and I want to point out too, like it it sounds very very businessy and and uncreative that like oh the game the purpose of the game is to make a certain number of sales or to improve the franchise or to you know uh, create X conversions to your fan base. But the truth of it is that having a goal that is not just the product really does extend the product's life. Because like you're saying, if I, if my only goal is to make the game and make the game and I'm done, but if my goal is something larger and more long term, then I am going to be, um, in, I'm, I'm going to plan to market the game, which means that more people are going to experience it. I'm going to plan for future products, which means the game is going to have a larger life. And I'm going to plan for the game to be actually experienced and reviewed by fans which means that I'll be working to improve the quality and the playability of it. Yeah. So having yeah, having target goals that are beyond just making the thing can, is very important to the experience that the thing delivers. 100%, 100%. So we know why we want to do this, Brad. We know that we have our metrics. We know that we have the end goal in mind. Let's move on to the next point of the project plan, the deliverables or the what so when yeah, we well, well there's one more thing that we do want to talk about before we we step past this one um and that's actually the uh the project's method uh methodology um so before we even talk about deliverables um well we should be talking a little bit thinking about our deliverables at this point but the method that we're going to use to to make those is most important because how are we going to publish this thing once we acquire it Mm-hmm. Is it going to be an LCG with 20 releases? Is it going to be a single big product? Is it going to be a convention exclusive? Are we going to publish it on YouTube? Is it going to be play by forum? Like we need to understand the actual way that this thing is going to come out. Yeah. It's it's method and method and deliverables kind of like blend together in that sense because it's like mm-hmm. the, the kind of your method kind of helps you like the method is the higher level version of your deliverables. Like the the methods, like like you know, here here are the general things we probably need to consider, and the the deliverables are literally here are the things we need to get finished. Yeah, um, right. If we're gonna publish it on YouTube, we're going to need an actual video. We're gonna need a splash screen. If we're gonna advertise it on Facebook, we need to make a suite of ads that includes Facebook sizes, and so understanding. Our, um, our our method here is going to help us with deliverables, but also our method is going to tell us if we fit our goals. So if we say, hey, we want to generate $10,000 in sales from this project, how are we tracking that? Are we including you know, sales of the coffee mug in that total? Are we including the full value of our distribution sales or are we including the you know only the net values? Things like that. Yeah. How do we count the conversions if we're trying to get a number of fans into our fan base? Is it just people that sign up for the mailing list or is it going to be people that buy a copy or is it going to be people that buy a copy and shake our hand at a convention what's the uh, very what's specific the metric? very specific you're right right but um brand brand but you can be you can be specific. a magical sensor in the palm of his hand that actually reads whether or not you shook it so it's a it's very cool tech um uh, yeah <laughs> so brad just a joker buzzer uh, it's a joker buzzer oh no uh brad <laughs> 
So we 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 got in high level. Let's go a bit more granular, like like we already kind of mentioned earlier. Yeah. So so diving into the deeper deliverables, right? Which are the actual um, projects that we, the actual things that we want to create. Yep. So this is this is the this is essentially what it sounds like, right? It's the things you need to deliver. Uh, it's the it's the video. It's the components for the game. It's the balanced character. It's the it's the piece of art. It's the, you know, like, like pretty much. It depends. Yeah. And it depends a lot on the kind of project you're making, right? So if we're doing a, a really deep um, tactical game like Exceed that needs tournament level balance, then that game's balance is a deliverable in and of itself. But if we're doing a more casual game like Imperial or um, or Argent or Anansi, even Millennium Blades. Doom Trader, yeah. like these games, right? These games that, that are not tournament level games, then in that case, the balance comes in with the game design. And so it doesn't need to be a separate deliverable from the game's uh, initial design documents. Yeah. Oftentimes, so, it, oftentimes, like, the thing about deliverables as well is that, like, the scope and the kind of project that you're doing, uh, like you said, heavily just Let's just say that some things you wouldn't even imagine to be deliverables are actually deliverables. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. If you're going to a convention, if you're planning to show this at a convention and you need a banner and a and two posters for this convention, then those go in your deliverables too as your convention kit. Yeah, exactly. So, and and that's not something you would usually think. Like like when you're at the yeah. stage of planning and you're like, you know, I need to make a board game. Usually, like the fact that you need giant posters for a convention for your board game doesn't really enter your mind immediately, right? Because, like again, the the mm-hmm. pitfall here is that when you say, "Oh man, I, I need a project for this board game," and you think that delivering the board game is all you need to do, right? And that's right. That's kind of what the project planning is for. The project planning is. It allows you to. It gives you the room and the space to be able to do more than just deliver a game, right? It lets you do the marketing. It lets you do all of this other stuff that if you don't yeah, plan, it for, prepares you for the complete project's life cycle. Yeah, exactly. Because if you don't plan for it at the start, it can get really rough when you actually need those assets, right? I, I think you had. Mm-hmm. I think you had. You told us a story about something like that. Like if you're unprepared for success, it's kind of. It's kind of problematic, right? It can it can definitely sneak up on you. But even if you're unprepared for opportunity, uh, and that's I, I think really the truth is you don't really get unprepared for success. You get unprepared for opportunity. And not every opportunity is worth taking, but if you're unprepared and an opportunity comes along, you might have you might miss it entirely. Yeah. So, you know, if you get a free slot at a convention, if you can show up next week, well, I've got the money for the plane ticket and I've got the money for the hotel, but I didn't prepare my banners and now i have to commission art for next week to get a banner that's not going to happen so having that stuff available in advance allows you to take advantage of an opportunity yep because sometimes even if you want to you can't and that only happens with poor planning so let's move on we know what we need to deliver and the thing about this project planning thing is that it goes from high level to low level so it's like the previous step kind of feeds into the next step right yeah so it's mostly, mostly it will. And, yeah. But of course, we want to mention that, like, if we come up with a deliverable that, uh, you know, let's say that, like, oh, I got this, I got this big pack of illustrations for my game. It'd be really easy to also make the T-shirt here. Then, you know, maybe you go, you step back up to your purpose and you put in, hey, I also want to get people to, you know, in- enjoy the lifestyle of players of this game or establish a lifestyle players of this game and then my method becomes selling t-shirts and merchandise and now my merchandise makes sense 
And the merchandise is effectively free because of all the print-on-demand structures we have in place these days. Exactly. So, so, you, so you kind of, as you go, yeah, you'll learn to to you know to inter- to weave things back in yeah. to your core tenets. Yeah. Let, let's talk more about like why that's very important in the second half of this episode. But now mm-hmm. we know what we need to do, Brad. Now it's the who, not not the band, uh, but the team. We want to like yes. we know what we need to do, but who's gonna do them? And that's really important. And it's really important that you kind of follow this process because you won't know what kinds of people and what kinds of skill sets you'll need on your team unless you know you know what you need to get done. Yeah, and deliverables are often pretty big things, right? So putting together my database for for balance and exceed is a big project, but. It's uh, it may be a project for separate people. I might want a play tester and a developer and the designer to get involved in that project. And so when I do that, um, I want to actually break my deliverables down into individual assets. So again, for example, of a balanced database, I start with the initial database, the rough draft, which is provided by the designer, and then I have you know uh, play test reports, which are generated by the play testers, and those are used by the developer to make the final draft of the balanced database. So I've now involved three people, the designer, the playtester, and the developer mm-hmm. in creating this uh, this balance document. And that is truly how we do uh, balance with Exceed these days. Yep. So um, so it, an individual deliverable can have many team members behind it. So yeah, so you figure out what team members you're going to need, and then you figure out which team members are going to do multiple tasks, right? So if I have an artist who's going to do all the normal arts in the game and the cover arts and the item arts and all of the um, special attacks and other like iconography, then I would assign all those to the same person and I'd figure out how many, <clears throat> how many person weeks it takes. Yeah. And the, um, oh. this unit of measure like person weeks is, uh, is pretty handy, especially when working with contractors because uh, time is pretty irregular and what you generally what you know about a contractor is they're going to spend x x hours per week on your project. Yep. And I so. think I think now we're going to bleed into the next point, um the next T in the line of the double T's. Uh we have the timeline, uh and this is the when, right? Like when when does yeah. it need to be done? Uh and essentially this is the question of um the person doing the task and how much time they're going to spend doing it. And like you were already mentioning, it's about uh, hours per week. So you pile it all up and you, and you add it all up. Yeah. You add it all up. I'm not going to be shy in saying that uh, for a project, let's, uh, let's think of this hypothetical project. How about um, uh, a podcast by level 99 games? That, that would be a cool hypothetical project, right? Okay. Uh, and let's just say that for this project, you need somebody to host the show uh, do the editing and do the video editing and then doing the social media posting and the, uh, you know, the proliferation of this uh, supposed podcast. And um, right. let's just so our team would actually end up having like five people in that case. You have the host himself. Mm-hmm. You have the audio editor. You have the video editor. You have the marketer and uh, and you have uh, any co-host or guests that are going to show up on the show. And um you know, in a small operation, you can load those onto the same person. You can make a linear timeline. Yeah. Right. But if the show's popularity grows, you already have a plan in place where you can farm out the different roles, separate them out, and do things in parallel, and then create 
that a, a much shorter timeline for the deliverable. Yeah, and that's, and that's the kind of thing that the plan gives us that untangling just a normal operations flow after the fact would not give us. Exactly. And and that's a really cool thing, right? Because right now, I'm afraid to admit it, that I, I wear all of those hats right now, right? Except um, the co-host. Yeah, except the co-host, because I can't co-host Don't myself. Don't diminish my contributions, Marco. Oh, no. So, sorry. I wear most of those hats <laughs> at this point, right? Um, and the big deal about it is that we, given this new structure that we've made, uh, if ever we, you know, get uh, a, a podcast and it has to be five hours long for some uh, unforsaken reason, right? Uh, but if we somehow need a five hour long podcast, uh, I can easily just say, hey, these are the roles that we actually do for this podcast and we can delegate it to people um, because I can't spend five hours editing audio. I don't even think five hours is enough because if the episode has to be five hours long, then I'd have to listen through audio for way more. You expect more. it to be like like 30 hours of editing. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's insane. Yeah. It's insane. So at the end of the day, that that's that tends to be the, the kind of things that that structure gives us. And yeah. finally... Well, you know, and there's one other thing before we step out of the timeline. There's one oh. other thing to consider here, which is the dependencies of tasks. So oh, we have all fair. these different assets, right? And we have team members that are doing them, but which tasks require other tasks? You can't have your video editor start before your host records. Ah, it's right? genius. And you can't have your co your host record when your co-host isn't also recording. So you have a so you have to order these different assets in a timeline and then, you know, draw arrows between them in terms of dependencies in what and we call the you, critical path i think yeah so the critical path is the longest chain of events the longest chain of unbroken events from beginning to end and what that means is that it's the shortest time you can deliver the project in right mm -hmm. so if i need to record the video or i need to record the audio to edit the audio to make the video to upload the video then that's my critical path Yep. And if somebody off to the side has to, say, make the image for the video, and that is much shorter than the other branches on this path, then it's a non-critical path task. It yeah. may still be a requirement for the project, but if somebody says, oh, I have to take my dog to the vet and I'm going to lose a day or two of work, it doesn't actually slow down the publication of the project. Yeah, it's it's the line of contingencies get really... Like, yeah, right. it's, it's a branch, like it's a quote unquote vestigial branch to the uh, critical path because them not delivering the thumbnail to a video oftentimes does not delay the final editing right. or uploading of said video. So, yeah, that's but a, if your host is is unable to show up for a recording, then any delay on that critical path becomes a delay in, in project delivery. Oh, absolutely. Because, yeah. Because that's literally like the trunk of the entire operation. Like if the hosts don't record, mm -hmm. there's nothing happens. Like like the entire operation stops. Uh, so it's very important to understand your critical path. It's very important to know who's dependent on what. And it's very important to understand that if you are at the start of that critical path, that you can't afford to delay everyone, right? Uh, so it's uh, yeah, it's a big responsibility. Discipline is more important. Yeah, discipline is quite important. Yeah. And then sure. our last point is the is the actual budget for the project. Right. And this is the uh the how much. I, I kinda cheated this last question. It's the how much. So uh because you know now you know who you have doing the tasks and you kinda know how many man or woman or person hours per week they're doing. Uh that kind of that kinda helps you calculate your budget, right? 
Yeah. The only thing that you would have to consider beyond budget is the cost of any services you need or the cost of any sort of uh, stock assets that you need. So for example, if we use Adobe Premiere to create our movies and that costs us $50 to use, then we might want to add that into our budget or at least consider it as part of the budget. And likewise, if it takes Marco, you know, 20 hours to produce this, this content, then we want to count that budget as the actual cost of the project. Yep. And uh, if you're, say, making a game, uh, that would also include the price to print slash package slash send those games, right? Like it's... Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All in all, um, uh, your budget has to kind of account for almost literally everything that gets pumped into it in terms of money. And this is, yeah. a, this is a very important metric uh, because... You, there's an English term called like the juice ain't worth the squeeze because if your budget's inflating really high, but then your goals and your final metrics don't really aren't really up to snuff, uh, then maybe you need to change something about your project, whether it's lowering the budget, uh, adjusting your goals, or maybe even changing your methodology so that you can meet those yeah. goals, right? But the plan can help us discover where those where those two don't match up, and it can help us avoid potentially disastrous projects that. Um, that are not worth our time yeah. to get, become involved with. And it also, on the flip side, it also allows us to hyper-focus and, uh, you know, further lean into projects that are working really well, right? So it's not just mm -hmm. a purely negative thing. It's not just like, you know, a corrective measure. It's also a means by which we can identify projects that are doing well and hopefully funnel more of our resources into it, helping it flourish more. So, Brett, uh, we've talked a lot about the process of project uh, planning and project leadership. Uh, we're going to take a little break. And then after that, let's talk a little bit more about, you know, uh, some of the really cool stuff for project planning and some of the nasty pitfalls that you can uh, possibly find yourself in. Yeah, absolutely. Let's take it to the break and I'll see you guys in a few minutes. Don't miss out on being a laidbacker for BattleCon Unleashed. For years, people have been asking for a big box storage solution for the entire BattleCon series. BattleCon Unleashed is that storage solution. But that's not all. Unleashed has three new fighters, six updated promo fighters, nine new master costumes, and more. This is the last game in the series. To become a late backer now to get yours. Check out our Kickstarter or check the link below. And now, according to plans, we return. Man, that was such a planned intro outro. I'm proud of us. Uh, check that deliverable. You know, it's off not the, list. the the planning. It's the planning to plan that really sets you apart. Oh my gosh! Uh, so we're planning the planning of the planning. If you really think about it. Plans within plans. Plans within plans. So I plan to talk a lot more about the uh, the pros and the pitfalls of our project planning. So uh, let's talk about some of the really cool stuff. I mean, we kind of mentioned it earlier on, but let's uh, hyper-focus on some of the really be big benefits of doing this project planning thing. So uh, project planning is very, very important because... It's not just a board game industry thing. It's kind of, it's kind of important for any project you have in your life, whether it's a you know it's a self wellness thing, whether you want to you know get better at your marathon time, or you want to be a better dad. Who knows? Uh, project planning yeah, can help you. Absolutely, and like anything with a with a beginning and an end and a and a purpose can effectively be a project. But you know, speaking of of our specific uh, industry, 
right? It's not just the projects or not just the products that get planning. It is things like um, our upcoming video cast, our uh, retailer programs, our store, a press release, release website that we're working on. So we do a lot of projects that are not just about making more stuff. Most of our projects, um, really I'd say a good, a good half of our projects that are active are about supporting and maintaining that stuff and creating quality of life for our fans. So yeah. you know that when you get a level 99 game, it's going to have the proper you know tutorials available. It's going to have a community available. It's going to have supporting materials like you know videos about how to play the different characters. And it's going to have um, easy access to get replacement parts and um, to uh, acquire anything that you need peripherally to the game. Yeah. So, yeah, so those those are projects as well. And we spend a lot of time investing in those yeah, and they're, a lot of manpower building them. They're force multipliers, essentially, right? Because mm-hmm. they, they, they aim to augment slash amplify the impact of the product itself. Uh, because... Absolutely. Yeah. And, and that's, it's very it's it's dangerous with these things because they don't always have a a key point. But you need to begin with a with a goal in mind for each thing. And sometimes, especially with a project like customer service or um, running a you know a YouTube or a podcast, it can be difficult to understand what our real goal is with this. Except that we are are you know trying to entertain people and inform people. Yeah. So how do we measure that and what's the actual, you know, the actual goal? Yeah. And sometimes the actual goal can sound very, like you said earlier, like very businessy, very robotic. But at the end of the day, um, there's a reason why you want those numbers to go up, right? It's because this this kind of podcast um, lets us give people, um, you know, more information about our products, our processes. It, it lets them get to know us more, right? And there's yeah. a lot of people. And if you, you know, if you do a really cool thing in a dark corner of the internet, and nobody finds out about it. Does it really happen? <laughs> is this is this the new age version of uh, if a tree falls down in a forest and no one's yeah, going to hear yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. If a tree falls on the internet and nobody nobody watches it on YouTube, did it really happen? Did it really happen? So yes. Uh, so we we've, we've gotten to the point where it's very important to begin with the end in mind. I believe that's a quote. Uh, from some famous smart person, way smarter than me. Um, and it's very important because with when you have those goals in mind, it kind of really informs a lot about the stuff you're doing, right? Like whether or not you should talk about certain topics on the podcast, whether or not you should be paying that much for this piece of artwork, whether or not uh, you should be going to this convention and, and things like this, right? Because at the end of the day, mm-hmm. if the actions and your deliverables are not lining up with your goal, if they're not helping you achieve your goal, then like I said earlier, there are probably things you want to either modify, nix, or completely change, right? Yeah, absolutely. And that's the and in planning is the cheapest time to cut your losses and not do something. It's also the cheapest time to add something. And um, like we were talking about uh, when we were talking about planning yesterday, um, you know, there's often this term of of scope creep, which is used more often than scope itself. But when you're in the planning phase, that's just scope. You can add and remove things freely. Yeah. You don't have to worry about creeping away from your original goals because you're at the moment where you can still change them. Yeah. And, and that's the reason why scope creep is like oftentimes negative is because the reason scope creep is bad is because you already defined your scope. And then you made it bigger and you didn't plan for that. And that's the problem. But if during mm-hmm. the planning phase, you made it bigger and therefore have planned for it to be that big, 
then you're okay, right? Like, there's nothing wrong with yeah. having a bigger scope that you decided to make bigger during your planning process. Like, and, that's how yeah, it works. Yeah, and this is a real trap for me, too, as a creative, because I make, like, all the characters in Battlecon, and then I decide for myself, like, oh, and I'll make a secret one that's going to surprise everybody. But I don't want to surprise my team with that. <laughs> I want to I want to make sure that everybody knows that this is my plan. Ah, uh, so yes. Show the, up one and, day with a new character. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> the, and the, so the idea that, um, you know, that nothing that you create should be a, a surprise to your team and nothing you create should be an afterthought. And that's the, I guess, the real conceit of planning is to is to eliminate that ambiguity. Everybody knows, everybody on the team knows exactly what we're making and they know exactly what steps we're going to take to get there. And that's what's really important about planning because, again, at the end of the day, it makes it so that we it, – it's kind of like a, a guideline, right? It essentially forms this guideline that just helps us with all of the decisions that we have to make, right? Uh, because everybody knows what needs to happen. Everybody knows what needs to be done. Uh, so if something pops up, we can just go, what does the plan say about this? Oh, okay, mm-hmm. we know the answer, right? Because a, a lot of the problems when it comes to projects tends to be something happens – and then everybody goes, uh, what do we do? Well, who, what's the plan? Well, Brad knows the mm-hmm. plan. Okay. Yeah, but but it, in a, historically in level 90 games, Brad might also just be making it up as he goes along. Well, so well no, it's not even uh, that, right? Like, even if you completely yeah. know the plan, right? Even if Brad, Brad, you, Brad, know the plan entirely, yeah. we go like, Brad knows the plan. All right, where's Brad? Sleeping. Okay, I guess we wait eight hours for us to resolve this issue then. Ah, and yeah. that's yeah, and we get stalled, right? But if we just had the plan written out and everything, uh, we could easily just have resolved that and again not wasted any man hours. And it's small things like this, right? Like even if it wasn't you asleep, even if it was just you out on the coffee break, that's still an hour or two of lost work for the entire team. Yeah. Right? Or I broke my leg or something and I had, I was in the hospital for a week. Like that would be a, a critical setback. Unless there's good planning in place for, you know, the continuation of, uh, of operations. Exactly. So, so that gives you the guidelines. So when something happens, who's in charge of this task? We know, right? Uh, what, mm-hmm. what thing is roadblocking us? We know. And uh, what things are currently being put a lot of hours into, but they don't seem to work? We know. And that's the, that's the point is, is so yeah. that we can answer we know to any question asked about the project. So perhaps we should really talk about some of the, uh, you know, the detriments that can come up when oh. you are not, uh, when you don't have full planning for your projects. And not even that, we've right? we've fallen in, we've stepped in every one of these holes <laughs> multiple times along the way. And I even dug a few of these holes myself. Oh, no, Brad. <laughs> so All right, let's, the, um, let's talk so about the So it's definitely something holes. I'm quite familiar with. Uh, you know that book, Holes? Uh, let's talk about oh, some... Oh, I love that book. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about some pitfalls of uh, the, the distinct lack of project planning, or at least the wrong way of looking at project planning. Because you could totally make a project plan, uh, but if you interact and you know move with it the wrong way, it can still lead to some really bad results. Brad, so uh, since you seem to be the expert, let's let's talk about some pitfalls. Yeah. Well, when I started out... Um, I produced, let's say my, fr- my first game uh, was Battlecon War, and we raised money for it on Kickstarter. We produced it. Um, it cost me, I'd say, about about five or $6,000 more than I actually raised to produce it. So, um, so we lost money on the project. And once I finally got the games, 
Um, I So what happened was I had an idea for a game. I put it on Kickstarter. I got some money. Then I had to finish the game. And once I finished the game, then I had to figure out how to print the game. And once I figured out how to print the game, then I had to figure out how to ship the game. And then once I shipped the game, I still had, you know, 2,000 games and I had to figure out how to sell the game. And doing each one of those in order meant that I was set back another three or four weeks each time. And um, And so there were certainly tasks there that I could have cascaded on top of other tasks. I could have been building my uh, my delivery plan while I was waiting on the the production of the game to finish. I could have built my distribution plan way back at the beginning when I was planning the game. I could have been planning for a retail release. And if I had done that, so if I had just made a few simple steps of difference at the very early um, early amount or very early part of the plan, I might have sold say like 10% more of Battlecon. And wow. it doesn't seem like a lot. But when you take that 10% and you compound it over the year, like 10% more people bought the minigame library and then 10% more people bought Devastation and then 10% more people um, got involved with uh, Millennium Blades and and so on. You could see how you even these small advantages early on in a company's life cycle can cascade into huge advantages. Well. And also, so let's you look at somebody who, yeah, let's, you look at somebody who did do it correctly, like Stonemaier games, and you can see the difference between level 99 games and Stonemaier games, which basically started at the same time, except that Stonemaier is really a genius of project planning. And I'm just kind of a noob who picked it up as I went along. Well, and, and, and that's, that's <laughs> okay. Well, Brad, don't, don't beat yourself too bad about it. No, you know? no, I'm, I'm speaking, I'm speaking as, as a, as a true admirer of, of, uh, of a man's work. Oh yeah. So uh, see, at the end of the day, and one one thing is like you said, it doesn't seem like much. But the point that we're trying to make here, uh, dear listener, is that that ten percent increase literally cost us nothing. You know, like it costs us nothing to plan something nice. Yeah, good planning really costs nothing. Well, it costs you the time, but like the time is uh, like completely like small compared to the infinite yeah. gains you can get an hour now versus you know uh 10 or 20 hours uh later exactly you have to build it in time or you have to wait or weeks when you have to wait on some bottleneck that you didn't foresee exactly so brad here's another one here's another pitfall that i tend to fall into um and it's a it's a very bad pitfall that we creatives you and i uh do and we already talked about this a little bit and it's uh when you set your goals poorly, when you think that the thing in itself is the goal, when you think that, hey, we need the podcast done and the podcast and making sure that the podcast is just on YouTube, that's the end goal. Um, nope, mm-hmm. not correct. Stop. <laughs> Cease this immediately because apparently that is just not what we're supposed to do. Uh, there's supposed to be yeah. other things governing why you want to make that podcast, right? Right, because it's possible to do, it's possible to do any amount of work without results. Right? Um, there's a sort of principle in economics called the 80-20 principle. Or, um, and the, the idea is that the results of an activity very rarely link up to its effort. So yes. if you look at all the things that you're doing, some small portion of them, the 20%, really account for about 80% of the effectiveness that you get. Mm-hmm. Right? And so... If we look at our our podcasts, we'll see that a small percentage of podcasts actually perform much better than the rest of the podcasts. 
Um, and even within that, we might see that um, a small portion of or a large portion of podcasts do very, very little and actually a waste of time. And so yep. if we can be – if we're observing that and we're isolating that, we can find the podcasts that make the most difference, uh, that are most useful. And then we can expand the that series to fill the whole airtime. And, um, and then within that 20 that we've expanded to the whole and increased our returns, there will be another 20 that is even more – um, effective and influential than, than the rest of that 20. So there's always these outliers and, um, well, anyway, point yeah. being point. that if you're not watching, if you're not watching for results, then nothing happens, um, and you're right? just creating, yeah. And you're just creating content, then that's not going to matter. Yes. And, and that's ultimately the point, right? Um, so obviously because the- even your fans, even your fans are asking, what is this going to do for me? Why should I listen to this podcast? Why should I play this game? Exactly. What is it going to change or accomplish for me? What's in it for and me? So, What's the um, value, right? What's, yeah. Because ultimately, that, that's all All these pieces of content are. They're meant to provide value for fans. And look, here's the thing. I, Marco DeSantos, also known as a mechanic critic, can spend a good 30 to 45 minutes talking about how much I love, I don't know, how much I love the color of Hikaru's jacket. But nobody else wants to read that, right? And that's yeah. that's just wasted work. Yeah. Just a waste of a waste of, of airtime. Yeah. Um, it's a cool jacket, though. Oh man! All right, let's... maybe we should make a replica jacket. Oh, there we go. So this um, project planning. Uh, project but... planning. We well, we could we could work it into Level Cap Podcast. It could be Car's jacket. It's got the the belt. It's got the buckle. It also says Level Cap Podcast on the back. Ah, perfect. That's how we shoehorn this into the project plan for the podcast. Here's another pitfall that I think you already mentioned earlier. And I feel like uh, it's a very important one. And I feel like it's something that a lot of people fall into when they make any plan. And it's thinking that the plan is rigid and set in stone. I think a lot... A lot of things about the planning phase, especially when you're doing the planning phase itself, right is that a lot of what your plan is should be malleable, right? Like if down the line and you're making, if you're down the line in your planning phase and then you reach the budget and then you go, "Uh uh-oh, we can't do that. It's definitely in your best interest to go back up to your goals and kind of adjust that to fit your budget. Yeah, the plan plan doesn't die when you hit the bottom and realize it's too expensive. That's That's really when planning starts because you look at the bottom, you see, oh, it's expensive. How am I going to make this count? Right? How am I going to rate, like turn the project that I'm making into the funds that make it profitable? Yeah. And um and that's the sort of the, the crux of planning. That's what you really that's the real advantage you gain is you realize when you have a project that is not valuable and you can not give it up but adapt it. Yes. Right, in many cases. And um and the plan is a living document. So when we talk about the planning and the challenges that come up, you have these kind of categories. Um, and you've probably heard of these before, but you have like your known knowns, which are, these are the things that I know I'm going to have to do. So my, the deliverables that I've listed, but then you might also have like known unknowns. Like I know that I am going to have to, you know, release announcement. I know I'm going to have to release ads in my podcast but I don't know what those ads are going to be because by the time we get to episode 50, the company is going to be coming out with products that I have not even imagined yet. So there's <laughs> a known unknown. I'm going to have ads that maybe I don't know how to, how to deal with or yeah. things that I don't know how to promote. And I'll have to, I'll have to account for that unknown. 
And then you have that other category, which is unknown unknowns. And these are the things that you you can't even imagine that they're, you don't know. They're terrifying. But they are they are the scariest they, part. They are like you know maybe uh, maybe you know and usually these are outside factors. Like a new service appears to distribute your podcast, or you know Spotify now charges us fifty dollars an episode to upload, or um, you know, all podcasts suddenly self-destruct in the universe and yeah. nobody can podcast anymore. Our, Things like that, you know, are, are I don't know, maybe not entirely within the realm of possibility. The you get the idea. The government bans podcasts or something, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, okay. so you can do those. So you can, you can, you don't, you don't have to plan for those kind of things. But once your unknown unknowns become known, you should be adapting your project plan in a dynamic way. So that when so that you you don't get to the end because by the end of a long project you may be living in a different world than you were when you started it and yeah. you want to make sure that the conditions for success still apply. Toto, we're not in Kansas anymore, so to speak, right? Exactly, um, Brad. You know what this implies is that there are oh. um, unknown knowns. There, there are no unknown knowns unless well, okay, unknown knowns would be the things that other people who are smarter than you already know and this would be the point right say go do your research go do your research you scrub <laughs> yeah so so i don't like i don't know anything about this topic but there are people who know that's an unknown known <laughs> and so i guess you would have to just go out and learn more stuff yeah you uh you you've you failed somewhere along the line uh, maybe it's just something you know you have to do but don't know when I don't know regardless that's not the point yeah the point is that <laughs> we need to get to the final pitfall and I think here here's one here's a pitfall that I often fall into and it's not understanding what your deliverables are so people might say like wait Marco wait a minute what do you mean you don't understand what your deliverables are like you know what they are but that's the thing some things that are actually things you need to consider to be your deliverables are absolutely things that seemingly you don't even imagine, right? And that's that's a big pitfall that I have fallen into. So, like, for example, when I make a video, right, uh, in my mind, it's just like, okay, I just got to record this stuff and uh, and I got to, you know, edit it and I got to get it out, right? So that was mm -hmm. me naively thinking that was it. Uh, but then as I, you know, got better at editing and stuff, I realized, oh, no, I need graphic design. I need animations. I need I need social media postings and all of this stuff like like all of these things that don't really creep into your mind when you're usually doing these projects. They're very important. And they like, again, it's absolutely it, <laughs> it, and not understanding what your deliverables should be is very dangerous because you don't want to be knee deep into your project and then somebody goes oh by the way your project won't work unless you have x and then you're yeah. like what and that's you where the scope creep really comes in because then somebody says oh you need the the animation and then suddenly you've got to deliver this thing and it's outside of what you originally scoped so yeah. so that's what we would call scope creep and i think the real takeaway from that is that the more you do plan, the better your planning will get. So, uh, and it's funny because it's not the better you are at the project or the better you are at your actual field of expertise. It's the better you are at planning that will improve your planning. So, yes. um, so the, the, even if you don't think you're a good planner, 
you should start planning now so that when you when you get to your second or third project, then the plan is um, you know is much uh, is much more complete. Yeah, the first plan is gonna okay, like not to be rude, but it's gonna suck, right? Like the first plan is gonna suck, but they all suck. And the only uh, there was a quote from from Adventure Time that's like being sucking at something is the first step to being good at something, right? So you just mm-hmm. got to start. You just got to bite that bullet and, you know. Yeah, bet, bet. you have to you have to step out and uh, and do it. That's all there is to it, really. All right, Brad. And it seems like we did it for this episode. We talked about planning. And I planned for this episode to be a little bit under an hour. And it seems like your we're time, there. That was your timeline? Yeah, that was my timeline. You know, I didn't want to have you or me talk for too long. And I feel like the fans have gotten all of the value that they need. So... Brad, without much else to say, I would love to keep talking to you, but I have to end it all, Brad. End it all. I mean, just this podcast, like, not all. Yeah, all of this podcast, of course. Yeah, yeah only not this all podcast. of the podcasts. Yeah, I mean, I wish I could just delete all the podcasts from the internet, but uh, sadly, we can't do that yet. I have no god-hacking powers. So... Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the New Level Cap Podcast. I hope you had some fun, and I hope you learned a thing along the way. Without much else to say, as usual, that's been me, your host, Marco DeSantos, also known as Mechanic Crick, and with me has been my amazing co-host that I plan to be here, Brad Talton. If you like this episode, share it with a friend. If you hate it, share it with an enemy. Subscribe, like, and maybe, just maybe, tell us what you've learned from this episode. How, what are you yeah, planning? Plan, plan to listen to the next one. Yeah, I plan to listen to the last one, next one. But Brad, like, would you be interested to hear the people share their plannings? You know, like, you know, maybe they have a, a plan for something. Absolutely. You- if you have, have thoughts on this episode, um, you know, if you have comments or there are similarities or disparities with the way that you plan, we'd love to hear about it in the comments. So please get, get back to us and let us know. And uh, I know this episode was a little more academic, but we're going to get back into news and game design and uh, all of the level 99 specific stuff that you love for our next episode. So look out for that soon. All right. So thank you so much for listening, everyone. And don't forget your special action. And thank you, World of Indians. Thank you and good night. And as always, happy gaming. The new Level Cap podcast is produced by Level 99 Games. Join us next Wednesday for more design talk and shenanigans. Thank you for listening.